Yo, 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 what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the podcast called Getting to Know God. This is the place where we look to the scriptures and only the scriptures to know the one true living God of the Bible, letting him speak for himself in his word through the Psalms. I'm Brandon, also known as Pastor B-Side, and today we're going to look at the attributes of God as the Lord describes them in Psalm 12. The title for our study today is called The True Solution to Our Problems. (laughs) I bet that piqued your attention, right? But real quick, before we get started, I just wanted to remind you that if you've been digging on these studies, please take a second and make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast and telling people about it on social media, sharing it with the people you know. A simple tap of the like or the share button could really help put the true gospel of Jesus Christ in front of someone's eyes, maybe even for the first time, or encourage a believer who really needs it. And that's what we all want, right? So enough of that. Let's check these verses. In Psalm 12, here's what the Bible says. To the chief musician on an eighth-string harp, a psalm of David, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases, for the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. They speak idly, everyone with his neighbor, with flattering lips, and a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaks proud things, who have said, With our tongue we will prevail, Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now I will arise, says the Lord. I will set him in the safety which he yearns. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. You shall keep them, O Lord. You shall preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked prowl on every side when vileness is exalted among the sons of men. So life comes with a lot of obstacles, trials, and frustrating circumstances. We all know that. The Bible explains that God himself inflicts all people with these sorts of troubles. And what he does with that is to validate his judgments in the end. God uses trials and challenges to publicly expose two things, the people who trust in him and the people that don't. The trials of life that we all go through make faith or the absence of it very clear. Those who have faith in the gospel, they're going to show that faith during times of trials. Those who don't have faith in the gospel, (laughs) they're going to show their unbelief and self-righteousness during trials just the same. But that doesn't mean that trials and obstacles are only sent by God to validate his righteousness. The Bible explains that difficulties also come on account of the foolishness of people. (laughs) That's right, we're to blame. We as people are foolish by nature. At least that's what the Bible teaches. That's the natural byproduct of falling short of God's glory. Foolishness. Since everything reproduces of its own kind, and all people are conceived as wicked sinners, then the natural effects of human thinking and conduct are problematic. Imperfect people will inevitably produce imperfect results and create imperfect situations that need to be dealt with. Hence, all of our problems. Now, the testimony of Psalm 12 teaches that the difficulties of life can grow exponentially when people refuse to humble themselves before God. And isn't that what we're seeing today in the world? Our unwillingness to confess that we are indeed corrupt and wicked 
and that God is supremely holy and righteous will actually cause greater darkness and despair for everybody. Psalm 12 ends with this statement. The wicked prowl on every side when vileness is exalted among the sons of men. This means that when vileness increases among people, wickedness will grow. Now, vileness refers to emptiness, nothingness, and worthlessness. The context of Psalm 12 clearly explains the true meaning of the issue. Psalm 12 clearly shows the cause of increasing wickedness in our world, which hopefully will then equip us in how to deal with it. The beginning of Psalm 12 states that godliness was scarce at the time that this psalm was written. The subscript of the psalm identifies King David as the author. While we don't know exactly when David wrote this psalm, it's pretty clear that people were struggling in their faith at the time that he was writing this psalm. Those who truly believed in the Lord, in the integrity of his promises, and valued his word, those people were hard to find. David wrote that faithfulness had disappeared altogether. For those who did believe, it was hard to find another believer for encouragement, help, and support. Believers were scattered and isolated from one another during this time. Again, this sounds a little familiar, right? Thankfully, David explained the cause of the issue to give us some helpful insight today. David wrote that during this time in his life, people were speaking idly and with flattering lips. Again, verses 1 and 2 says, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases. For the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. They speak idly, everyone with his neighbor, with flattering lips and a double heart, they speak. David wrote that it was common and normal for people to speak to one another this way. This was common conversation. This was the cultural standard. Here the word idly refers to nothingness, emptiness, and worthlessness. Interesting. It's a different Hebrew word than the one used at the end of Psalm 12, but refers to the same sort of vain language. The Hebrew word translated idly is actually most often translated into the English word vain in the scriptures, but most frequently describes lying. In other words, it was common in the days of David for people to lie specifically to themselves. The people spoke with worthless words because they didn't care about truth, and so they lied to themselves about the things they would say. David compared speaking idly with flattering lips and also double hearts, all of those things to describe the same type of person. The phrase flattering lips refers to smooth talking. The daily conversations of the people were smooth and charming disguises that covered the truth of people's circumstances. People lied to themselves about the truth of their lives, then used clever words and phrases to make things seem as if everything was good. The people were departing from God, trusting in self, trusting in idols, supremely valuing the personal desires of their flesh, and were lying to themselves that their lives were actually fulfilling, satisfactory, and righteous. They spoke to one another in ways that made it seem as if they weren't empty, even though they were distant from God. They spoke in ways that made it seem as if there was no darkness in their lives. This kind of sounds like the way people use their social media accounts these days, right? Their flattering lips were simply the rhetoric that was expressed that everything is all right, even though things definitely weren't all right. The term double heart refers to the fact that the people were inconsistent in the things that they would say to one another. Their testimonies didn't make any sense. 
The people would contradict themselves in the ways that they tried to hide their spiritual, deep-rooted anguish. The reason that it was hard to find true people of faith was because the land of Israel at this time was filled with people like this. Israel was filled with people that put on fronts while living for self, and it was hard to tell who the real people of God actually were. Godliness was discouraged because selfish people were making it seem as if there were no consequences for their denial of the Lord, then lying about how good their lives seemed to be without the Lord. Those who lived for self covered up their frustration and their anguish and emptiness by using empty and vain words to make it seem as if life was good and everything was hunky-dory. So it seemed like living selfishly and separated from God produced no real consequences. It made it seem as if indifference to God was actually fruitful. This is why the first words of this psalm were, Help, Lord! Thankfully, the Lord promises to help. David asked for help in the beginning, and after describing the spiritual climate of his environment, remembered who the Lord is and how he will respond to these sorts of things. Psalm 12 verses 3 through 5 assures all readers, especially believers, that God will cut off all of this flattering speech type stuff. He says, may the Lord cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaks proud things, who have said, with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are our own, who is Lord over us? For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now I will arise, says the Lord. I will set him in the safety for which he yearns. God will uncover the true nature of empty and vain speech. Since God is the light of the world, he will expose darkness in his time. The things that are hidden by the empty lies of ungodly people will be uncovered for everybody to see. But more specifically, in the end, God will cut off even the ability to speak this way. God will utterly destroy the fronts that people use. God will totally dismantle the things that people leverage to hide the true nature and effects of their disconnection from God. It's important to consider as well that Psalm 12 compares the people who speak with flattering lips as a habit of life to the people who speak proud things. What's the difference there? Well, those who lie to themselves and others about the truth of their disconnection from God do so because they're proud in their hearts. Now, God resists the proud. Pride is one of the things that God hates the most. Pride is the source of sin and is the chief reason why Satan himself was cast out of heaven. Those who speak in ways to cover their true weakness, pity, confusion, despair, and emptiness they do this because they're proud. God will respond violently against this cover-up because it's rooted in pride, arrogance, and self-righteousness. All of those things are contrary to the Lord, they're offensive to him, and it will be repaid accordingly. In Romans chapter 1, the Apostle Paul referred to this sort of attitude as the lie. It's not just that the proud lie to themselves casually. The Bible explains that those who speak with flattering lips as a habit of life do so because they are infected by the lie. It's the lie above all other lies. It's the false belief that we as people can live separated from God without consequences, deny him without repercussions, and manage life all on our own to produce our own brand of peace, satisfaction, and blessing. <laughs> Ain't gonna happen. The environment that David lived in 
was filled with this ungodly attitude, and it discouraged the expression of true righteousness, which ultimately stimulated more ungodliness. The wicked prowled on every side, as it says in the scriptures, because the general majority population had accepted the idea that vileness was actually profitable and worthlessness would go unpunished. That sounds a lot like the world we live in today. David described the common attitude and rhetoric of his day by saying, With our tongue, we will prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? So these phrases express an attitude. These phrases illustrate uh, these ideas and philosophies. And Here's kind of what's being said here. It illustrates the idea that we can accomplish anything we say. We can succeed if we speak and declare our success. Our words are our power, and our power is our own. Who can stop us, right? Who can keep us from doing the things that we say? Now, you might be familiar with this sort of thinking by this common expression. I got this. That is not a phrase the Lord is excited about. This is the attitude that discourages godliness. This is the attitude that breeds wickedness. This is the attitude that pushes God away and enables darkness to take over. This is the attitude that God will cut off with destruction unto the shame of those who live with this attitude. Now, David also addressed the perspective of the godly. Even though godly people were hard to find at this time in David's life, there was hope because of the integrity of God's character and the sureness of God's word. Psalm 12 explains that God will arise. In fact, Psalm 12 goes so far to document God speaking in the first person to say what he will do himself. In verse 5, it says, For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now I will arise, says the Lord. I will set him in the safety for which he yearns. So God said himself that he will stand up to address the darkness that comes as a result of unrepentant, prideful people. God said that he would rise up to deal with the trouble and wickedness that comes from those who live according to the lie. The Bible is helpful to identify the people who receive these benefits of God's work, who are separated from those who speak vileness. God will stand up on behalf of the oppression of the poor and also the sighing of the needy. The emphasis there is the poor and the needy. And we're not talking about finances here. The oppression of the poor refers to the havoc that God's humble servants have to deal with. It refers to those who are like David. This describes people who were few in number and discouraged by the spiritually dark climate that they had to live in, but they did their best to live faithfully to God's word. God will stand up for those people those who suffer for his namesake, who hold tight to his eternally unconditional promises declared in his word and refuse to succumb to a culture of worthlessness, valuing God and his righteousness more highly than anything else and fighting against compromise with everything they've got, right? Those are the servants of the Lord. We're talking about those who are poor in spirit, which is those who live humbly as faithful servants of the Lord according to the truth of his word in spite of the difficult surrounding environment. There might not be many people like this, but God will stand up and come to their defense in time. The sighing of the needy describes the crying and groaning of the people who live humbly for the Lord. It's hard fighting temptation, right? It's hard dealing with people that try to discourage our faith 
It's hard handling the friction of the world in a godly manner. It's common for the people of God to sigh to the Lord and express our need of help because we get discouraged and tired. Well, God hears. Clearly here in Psalm 12, 5, God promises that he will stand up, not only for those who suffer havoc and destruction in a physical way, but also on behalf of those who suffer mentally and spiritually while trying to live godly in a world filled with ungodliness. God will stand up. That's a promise, and David was sure of it. We should be also. More specifically, God promised to stand up in order to establish his people in the safety for which he yearns. This refers to both physical and spiritual deliverance. God promises to watch over and protect his people, and since he is transcendent and eternal in nature, he is able to address both the physical and spiritual matters of life. David wrote that the words of God are the purest, most perfect, and guaranteed. The poor and needy can rest assured that the worthlessness of the world will come to an end simply because God said so. God doesn't just speak, he does. God swore to deal with the wicked and in the meantime, watch over his people to protect them. Those who have died as poor or needy without material or physical prosperity, look, God is still able to provide increase and blessing in eternal life. That's the root of his promises. He is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. He will reward his faithful servants either in this life or the next, or both if he chooses to. Still, the safety that God spoke of refers to salvation, deliverance, and prosperity in both physical and spiritual terms throughout the Bible. One way or another, God will stand up for his people. He said it, he will do it. In verse 6, it says, The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. This means that nothing is surer, nothing is more guaranteed than the word of Almighty God. Those who really love the Lord, love his righteousness, and desire for his kingdom to come, Jesus as the Messiah, and for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Those who really love the Lord, love his word and the purity of it. And guess what? It shows. God will fulfill the desires of his people. Sometimes is willing to show mercy and grace through physical deliverance and prosperity, just to show those idle speakers that he is superior in power, wisdom, and control, and is faithful to respond to all things in his time. The deliverance of the poor and needy isn't to exalt the poor and needy, but instead to prove God is true and able to do the things that he said, especially to those who reject him and rebel against him. The salvation of the poor and needy in this life serves as a witness against the ungodly, proving that God is real and able to do exactly what he says. If he upholds the poor and needy in this life and the next, he will certainly cut off the vile and ungodly in his time. The truth of the matter is, the world has more problems than it needs to. The Bible explains that the cause of these problems is because of the consequences of vain people exalting worthlessness instead of exalting God and his word. When the majority of people desire things that God hates, God will eventually give them over to those things, which causes more problems, more darkness, and more pain. Until the ungodly confess their sin, 
repent and stop living the lie and then humble themselves before the mighty hand of God, this world will continue to crumble and wickedness will continue to prowl on every side. Still, God's people have nothing to worry about. David wrote, but God spoke and swore to stand up in favor of his people, fulfilling the desires of our hearts for God to save us from this corrupted world and all of the evil in it. Even though wicked people do prowl on every side, especially these days, the transcendent, omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent God has sworn to stand up on behalf of his people in this life and or the next. And that's what the Bible teaches about the one that we know as God. So before I get out of here, I just wanted to give you a quick reminder. Please keep in mind that all of the Bible teaching I do here is 100% listener supported. This means that I depend on listeners like you to pay the bills for the tools that make this stuff available to you, as well as pay for all the time that it takes to study the word and prepare to this degree. If this podcast is actually like legitimately helpful to you and you value this sort of teaching, please prayerfully consider sending a donation this way. We're a legit nonprofit. We have a 501c3 that's legal operating through our parent ministry called Proper Knowledge Ministries. If you'd like to partner with the work of the gospel that we're doing, you can visit www.pastorbside, like the flip side of a record, hit the support tab when you get there and give any amount that you're able as the Lord leads you. Every bit helps. And if the Lord would lead you, maybe even consider partnering monthly with us, making your gift recurring, which is kind of like tithing to a church because church is founded on the true teaching of the Bible and that's exactly what we do here. Something to think about, something to pray about. So again, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the study and until next time, peace out.